you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I am Oliver Banks, your host, and as always, it's a real honor and a delight to be sitting down with you and spending some quality time diving into retail transformation. Now, you know this just as well as I do, but in the challenging world of retail, it can be tough to survive, obviously as a company, but as an individual as well. The whole industry is going through a shift and many retailers are finding it tough in the marketplace. That pressure leads down and bleeds down into the individuals that work for that retailer. It makes life busy, challenging, high pressure, high stakes, stressful, right? But what's interesting about stress is that it is all in your mind, in your head. It's within the realms of your control. But to do that, you must build up your resilience, your mental resilience, your emotional resilience. And that's exactly what we're diving into today. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be introducing you to my special guest today. It's someone I've known for a number of years. She works with busy executives to help them overcome the stresses and strains by being themselves and giving them tools and skills that can help move them from struggling and surviving through to smashing it and thriving. So today I am delighted to welcome Steph Tranter to the Retail Transformation Show. As I was saying, I've known her for a number of years. She's brilliant. She's fantastic. She has helped me. And between you and I, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for the confidence that she built in me, I probably wouldn't be hosting this show. So I do have a lot to thank her for. (laughs) I'm really excited about jumping into this one. It's a great conversation. It's part one today and there's going to be part two next week. So remember to hit subscribe and come back and listen to part two. So without further ado, let's jump straight on in. Here we go. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show, Steph. How are you doing? I'm really good, Ollie. Thanks for having me here. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. And it's a total pleasure. We did work together, as I'm sure we'll dive into in the conversation. We did work together a few years ago. So uh, it's been a pleasure staying in contact with you. And just to help set the scene, you do help executives and senior business people to build up their resilience, to build up their self-confidence so that they can be the best self that they are, right? Tell me a bit more. That's right. And um, yeah, it's actually, it's probably about eight and a half years since we worked together, maybe even a bit longer. So it's quite crazy, really. Wow. (laughs) Quite quite a while, isn't it? Yeah, totally. So yeah, you're right. I'm an executive coach. I work for myself. And as I said, I've been doing that for the last uh, eight and a half years. Um, Prior to that, which is where you and I met each other, I worked for Tesco and I was there for a good proportion of time for about 11 years. Now I work with senior directors, this kind of C-suite population of people in corporate businesses, 
Uh, I also take on a handful of kind of personal clients too. They tend to be your MDs of smaller companies. Companies I work for in the corporate world tend to be a, a mix of household names like Harrods or UK Sport or Camelot or WeWork. So a range of industries too, but equally some smaller businesses and maybe not so much household names. So that's the kind of people I work with. And my background at Tesco was, well, actually started on the checkouts really whilst I was at uni and then worked my way up into uh, training and HR because I got really interested in people and developing people and developing myself and then ended in the group Leadership Academy, which is probably where you and I met when I was running some of the leadership training for the leaders in the business across all of the countries that Tesco was in and all the different industries they were in. So it was like 13, 14 countries, I think, at the time when you and I were both there. Mm. So that's, I guess that's the sort of background. Um, should tell you a bit more about the coaching I do and why people come to have coaching with me. Would that be useful? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure some of it will come out in our conversation, but give me the high level for, for starters. It might help position some of the things that we're going to talk about because um, each coach probably focuses on different types of things. So whilst you know, I'm on the, the sort of senior director of population, people probably come to me for one of three reasons. The magic number is going to be three, by the way. I was looking through my notes and there's always three of everything. Apart from when we get to my five steps, then there's five, but we'll stick with three <laughs> at the to, moment. You have to simmer them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I need magic three on those. So there's three reasons why people often come to me. Quite often, it's they're at a crossroads in their career. So they might have fallen into their jobs or it's been a really obvious pathway for them. But then they've woken up one day and gone, oh, my God, I don't know where to go. I'm stuck. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know who I am now, actually. What, what do I want from life? So there's a bit of a crossroads uh, in their career. Sometimes HR directors recommend me to people who have got high potential, but something's holding them back. So they absolutely could go further in their careers, but something's holding them back. Uh, but then equally, it's often people who have just transitioned into a new role or been promoted um, and they're suffering a lot of, I think this is a bit of a phrase at the moment, imposter syndrome. So they feel like they're winging it. Uh, they feel like they're going to get found out any minute. And so it's a little bit about helping people in, in those three scenarios. But interestingly, here's my other set of three. Actually, where people start with needing help isn't always where we end up. So it's never the conversations are never just about someone's career. And actually, there's three core areas. And I think this is where we're getting into in terms of where you wanted us to talk about really so the three areas that come up for me is quite often about identity so who am I you know what is the unique value I have to offer and that can go across all of those areas in terms of being at a crossroads or being promoted you know who who am I you know actually what what sort of leader do I want to be because I've got this idea that there's this one type of leader that everybody has to be and I'm just not that and so I don't know quite what that looks like for me that's a that's a big question now. What kind of leader do I want to be? I love it. Well, and also because we don't often ask that, do we? We don't often ask what kind of leader do I want to be. We always look at, well, that's what a leader should be. That's what a rounded director should be. We need to aim for rounded, which I mm. think is rubbish, to be honest. The normal mold, the normal fit in, you know, my business, my organisation is X. So therefore, I must comply, right? Absolutely. But actually, let's take a different perspective. Actually, who am I? Yeah. And who should I be and how can I be be the best self? Okay. So identity, really big part. Absolutely. And and I do a lot of work around strengths and I think that's something that we'll probably talk about shortly as well because we often forget what our natural strengths are. We often forget what comes easily to us because it comes so easily. We we don't think it's valuable 
And yet then we miss opportunities to use it or we miss op- we just miss that we've got those things because we're so focused on all the things we haven't got. And that's massively linked to resilience and stress management as well. But I, I think that's one of it's uh, all of these areas are, are quite fundamentally linked. But I do think there's a little bit about, OK, so what are my strengths that I can use that make me the leader I want to be? So I'm authentic and I'm I'm not being drained of energy because this is stuff that comes natural to me. So, yeah, so there's quite a lot about strengths and energy. One of the other areas I hear so often is I want to go and get that job over there or I'm in the, my dream job and I'm loving what I'm doing, but I just don't know if I'm credible enough, experienced enough, qualified enough. I don't know if I'm good enough. You know, and I hear that so many times. So a lot of things I work on, which is linked to the self-identity, but I would label it as self-belief or self-esteem. And I think it does go back to that belief in what's unique about you, how you add value by being just you. You know, we're taught throughout our lives, even you go back to school, you know, when you get your grades, you know, you get your A's and your B's if you're lucky enough or, you know, in that kind of mindset of being able to perform academically. But the attention goes to your C's, D's or your fails. So you're taught constantly to focus on all the stuff you're not very good at to make them better. And that goes throughout your whole entire life. And no one gets you to go, actually, this is where your A's are. How do we make you even greater at that? How do we emphasize that even more? And I think that's why a lot of us don't have high self-belief or high self-esteem because we're always focused on what we don't have. Mm. And then the third area, which I think possibly separates me from some of the other coaches out there, because a lot of executive coaching, it is business orientated. It is about achieving business goals. Uh, I fundamentally believe that you can't uh, change or achieve anything from a business perspective if you don't look at the whole person and you don't look at that. So some people, some coaches like look at personality questionnaires and all of those types of things. I go a little bit deeper um, and this probably links to a lot of the work I do around stress management and resilience because I focus very much on self-awareness of your emotions. So we're all human beings. We all have emotions. They all serve an evolutionary purpose, you know, from you cavemen and women days we've had emotions that are basically there to help us survive and yet we've become into a culture and again I think it starts from school because no one teaches you about your emotions and how to deal with them and actually I, I go very much deeply into so what emotions do you feel when do you feel them and how do you manage them and I think that for me is the core of dealing with stress and being resilient but we suppress emotions we don't face into them because we don't feel like we can or we don't like it. So I guess I, I kind of focus in on, on, on that area as well. So they're all quite linked. They're all very much about personal self-awareness. I'm not a big believer in sheep dip workshops where I've got a set of things where I'm going to teach you them and therefore you'll all be fine again. You know, we know about sleeping, eating, right? All of those kind of things, exercising. You know, for me, it's about knowing yourself and knowing what are your triggers and knowing what's unique about you and really understanding you as a person. doesn't matter what works for somebody else or what's right for somebody else. It's what's right for you. And whilst I might have, we're going to talk about this in a bit, five steps uh, that help people, the, the five biggest activities that help people manage their emotions better and manage stress and be more resilient. My underlying message under all of that is, yes, these are the five steps and the guiding principles, but what does it mean to you? What works for you? So I guess, yeah, and those are all very science-based as well. It's not just kind of plucking five things out of the air. <laughs> those are based in science. That's certainly one of the things, Steph, I really loved about working with you and, you know, understanding your different perspectives 
is they are science-based. So if you're a bit of a geek yeah. like I am, then understanding what's going on in your brain and with, with all of the chemicals in your body just helps to almost normalize it a bit. It's, it says, you know, this is okay. And certainly I've, I found that hugely useful in the past. Yeah, I think it's very much about just, um, I'm similar, uh, I'd probably label myself as similarly geeky. <laughs> it's a term of endearment. I used to have a coach that said, being a geek is a term of endearment. I think there's all a little bit of geek in all of us, to be honest. <laughs> to your point, I think it's about understanding. If you understand why something is the way it is. So people talk about, oh, you've got to do mindfulness, or you've got to do this, or you've got to get good sleep, or you've got to... Uh, I, I don't know, all these different things, but no one then stops and says, this is why, this is why it helps and fundamentally why it helps you as a human being. Um, and there's so much science out there uh, around how the brain works um, and some really simple science actually around why it's really important to manage emotions. It's not just about some fluffy, airy, fairy, you know, we've all got to get in touch with our emotions. It's very much around actually the science shows if we're not looking you know dealing with our emotions then we can't think straight and solve our problems and I can go into a bit more detail around that if you'd like but for me fundamentally that's the that's the message is actually our our emotions are there stopping us think straight it's not just because you're rubbish at what you're doing or you're you know you you can't do it it's our emotions fundamentally stopping us think straight. Mm, That's really interesting because if we're thinking about the world of retail transformation then actually you know there's a huge amount going on and there's a huge amount to do And maybe you're listening to this and maybe you're in a place where the world is not perfect. You know, you're under a lot of stresses and strains and you're feeling the pressure of your overall organization's performance. And maybe you're feeling, you know, a real sense of ownership of responsibility or even accountability to turn things around, to transform things. And that can be a difficult place. So if that's you, we've got some really excellent guidance coming up here. So, Steph, I know we've got a bit of a buzzword here for you. Stress. That's not the right term. Tell me more. Thanks for that, Ollie. Yes. um, Yeah, stress really bugs me. That that word stress, it really, I say bugs me, makes me really angry. (laughs) Let's name an emotion here. (laughs) It makes me angry. Because it's... I think it's a it's a word we use uh, as a catch-all for our emotions. So all I was banging on about earlier around emotions, you know, one of the reasons why we don't talk about them is we don't even name them. Um, you know, stress is an acceptable word, like the word overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, by the way, is not an emotion. It's a state like stress, and it's an acceptable word to say, it's like I'm busy, you're busy, or oh, I'm just so stressed. That it, It's a word we use. To, to cover up well not to cover up just to label the emotions we feel a lot of my work around resilience my argument is actually stress is just the result of mismanaged emotions because the more we're not naming and labeling and accepting and dealing with emotions the worse they get the more you know because most of the time I, go, I haven't got time to feel like that right now I haven't got time to do this I've got to just crack on I've just got to get through this I mean how many times you know I've just got to get through this as a strategy and that works sometimes for short periods but it's not a long-term strategy and it's not a sustainable healthy strategy so yeah so for me stress is a word we use because it's acceptable but it's it's the result of, of mismanaged emotions and when you talk about the sort of environments your listeners are in where 
things are constantly changing. The times are really tough. You've got to innovate. You've got to create. You've got to influence people who are different types of characters. You've got to quite flex your style and build the, the you know really good relationships. You've got to answer for things when maybe they don't go right. You've got to be willing to make mistakes because we're in new territories. You've got to be dynamic. Yeah, I mean, all this pressure on you. Talk about pressure. Um, and we'll go, I'm stressed. But actually, and amongst all of that, you could be a bit afraid, you know, but to say I'm afraid, goodness, that sounds massive, doesn't it? Even I'm a bit worried quite a lot of time. Oh, it's a bit concerning or, hmm, that's a bit troubling. You know, we use lighter words, which can help sometimes, but actually it dampens down the fact that you actually, when you look at the spectrum of the emotion, fear, concern, anxiety, worry, they're on that spectrum. They're just lesser words and, and actually you know, so fear might be something you're feeling. Frustration, we, we, we're quite happy to use the word frustration, but that's on the spectrum of the uh, emotion anger. Actually, you're probably really blooming angry. You know, this person's being an idiot and not listening to you, or something's gone wrong and you're angry with yourself. Maybe you're feeling a bit guilty and ashamed because, you know, quite often when we're in uh, these kinds of industries, um, you're you're very loyal to the people that are there and you care you know the reason why you get so strong emotions about things is because you care you want to make it right you don't want to let anybody down so if you think about on any day you're probably going from fear to anger to guilt to shame maybe sadness disappointment and yet we might not even know we're experiencing all those emotions because we don't name them we don't pay attention to them because we're just trying to get through this you know so um we have a tendency to bucket it all in together and say ah i'm feeling stressed right but what's what's the danger so if we're not labeling the emotions properly and we're just lumping them all into that stress bucket what's why is that bad yeah so the danger comes back to what i was saying about the science so if i just briefly talk about this the, the practical danger of it all is that if you if you look at our brain this is a really simple version of the the situation that goes on but basically if you look at our brain we like simple yeah i like simple too there's two core areas in our brain that's related to to stress for instance so you've got the limbic part of the brain this is from an evolution perspective our oldest part of our brain it's been with us since the beginning of time as human beings this part of the brain deals with all of our emotions it's something that reacts very automatically to stimuli in the outside world that is to us threatening. Um, and it will react automatically. It's almost like quite hypersensitive. It's a bit of a drama queen, you know, it's uh, it's really kind of sensitive to things that are going to trigger us. So you've got the limbic system then that deals with all our emotions. So that's that's the sort of the caveman, the cavewoman, fight or flight. Yes. Keep me alive. And that's it. Yeah, that function is all about your brain's purpose is to help you survive. That's fundamentally what it's all about. And that part of your brain is the is the bit that lies below our our, our conscious. Sorry, it lies below our consciousness um, and reacts to things to help keep your your you alive. So yes, in our cavemen and women days, uh, it would be alerted to danger. There's a saber tooth tiger. You're not consciously thinking this. You're noting there's a saber tooth tiger. Clicks in. It sends a whole load of hormones through your body to ready yourself to prepare for this you mentioned the fight or flight we often call that the stress response it's actually the fear response so you are feeling the emotion of fear in that moment releasing cortisol uh, adrenaline all through your body to enable you to either fight that saber-toothed tiger 
uh, or run away from it. Or there's a third option, which is freeze, you know, fight, flight or freeze. So all of these things are happening. It's reducing all the energy that would normally go to your immune system and your digestive system. It's shutting all of that down. Do you ever have those times when you're really nervous before an interview? And I can't believe I'm about to say this and I apologize in advance, but you're on the toilet a lot. <laughs> you know, that's your digestive system. Get everything out of your system because you're, because you're in a fight or flight. You don't need to be able to digest things when you're in a fear situation and when you you know your life is at stake um and the thing is then all the energy goes to your muscles so there we go important things explained here on the retail transformation show maybe that's just me but uh, <laughs> that's a that's a scientific explanation got it and yeah so the energy goes to your muscles and i guess what i was going to say is that people is it any wonder that the people you often see are the most stressed and maybe then leading to burnout get the most colds? And, uh, you know, there's this often linked to IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, everything to do with your digestive system. And they often say that's a bit psychological. And I wonder if it's just because, you know, emotions are meant to be short lived and the fear response is meant to be short lived because we're not managing this and we're not, you know, expressing that kind of fight or flight. We're suppressing it actually it's suppressing all of those other reactions so even if you're you're pushing a feeling away all of those physical things are still happening within your body wow so it's still happening even if you're pretending and suppressing an emotion which is the scary thing so i guess one of the reasons why it's really important to name and label and understand and be aware of your emotions is a health reason actually in terms of your long-term health physical health not least your mental health. So so that's all going on. And by the way, you know, it's not just the fear response that's dealt with in the limbic system. It's also, you know, other emotions like sadness and and guilt and and anger. So and arguably anger is also part of that fear response because that's the bit about when you have feel angry, the evolutionary reason around that, the reason why we get angry is about protecting something. So actually, it's really interesting when you do get angry, if you understand your emotions and you understand, oh, this is me feeling angry and I know what that feels like, then actually, what is that saying? What am I trying to protect here? And that can help you really understand, you know, why you're getting angry and then give you the reasons or give you the places you need to go to solve that. But I'm sort of digressing slightly. So, so the limbic system deals with emotions and by the way on the stress response or fear response fight or flight thing yes we don't face saber-toothed tigers now absolutely we do. well arguably there might be some in our offices and places that we work but generally <laughs> we don't face saber-toothed tigers but the key is and this is why i was saying self-awareness and not just awareness of your weaknesses which is often what people equate with self-awareness self-awareness is actually really understanding yourself and understanding what's going on in you and what are your triggers. While we haven't got any saber-toothed tigers, what happens is, is that we feel emotions in response to what we perceive as to being dangerous. So it doesn't matter if it's real or perceived. If we're seeing as something as a threat to us, and we may not initially and consciously see it as a threat to survival, but we will see it as a threat to us, we will get a, an emotional response. So a massive to-do list we'll see as a threat and then we'll have the same sort of fear response a really annoying micromanaging boss you know we'll see as a threat interestingly again the science shows that any threat to our financial security is registered in the same part of the brain as mortal danger 
fascinating. Wow. Okay. I know. That tells us that anything to do with our jobs, and most of the time it's linked to the jobs because if things go wrong, our immediate thing is, oh, my God, I'm going to get sacked or people are going to think I'm rubbish at this or people are, I'm going to think I'm really rubbish at what I'm doing. And, and so actually then that, you know, then you catastrophize potentially if you're kind of that way focused um, into, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my job. And then I've got, you know, people won't take risks and set up their own businesses or do other risks because they're so afraid of failure and so afraid of not being able to pay the mortgage, you know, and that is a risk to our financial security. So, and it's registered. So if you have any of those, it's very likely you're having some form of fear response. So th- those are just some really interesting points around that. And that's why I think self-awareness is so crucial. That's huge, isn't it? Massive. So we don't have saber-toothed tigers anymore, but we still have bosses. We still have people that can affect our financial security. Yeah. So we still get the same emotional response from our limbic system, part of the brain. Yes. Incredible. Thank you, Steph. Well, no, you're welcome. And, and, and you know, I didn't make it up. You know, <laughs> I'll take the credit for that. <laughs> you didn't make it up. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, lovely. But the key point that I'm actually working towards here is there's another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex, which sits sort of just, I'm pointing to my forehead now. And I know, you know, you can all see that. Um, <laughs> I'm pointing your head in your forehead. This is a part of the brain that is the newer part of our brain. And it is where we do all our rational thinking. It's where we do our logical thinking. It's where we're able to put things in perspective. It's where we do good of our decision-making, our creativity. It's all of that kind of thinking kind of things. The key in all of this, and probably, I mean, if all of those messages, what I was just saying just then weren't enough to go help you think, oh goodness, I best look into my emotions and what's going on for me, is that actually when your limbic system is really active, i.e. you're having an emotional response, the ability of your prefrontal cortex to function actually diminishes, physically is unable to function. And the best way to illustrate this is, you know, those times when you might be sat with um, a friend or a mate or a colleague and they're really upset, they're crying their eyes out, or they're really, really angry And in the crying scenario, you know, they just can't see the solution to the problem. And you're going, for me, it's really obvious, you know, know, just do this, this and this. Surely that will solve it. But they don't see it. But then a few days later, they'll come back to you and go, you know, you were right. I just got to do this, this and this. And you're like, yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm saying. But they literally just couldn't see it because the limbic system was stopping their prefrontal cortex from working effectively. And equally with the anger stuff, you know, you always hear when people get angry and their arguments, I mean, the physical response when you, um, when you get angry, every emotion has a, has a response in the body. It shows up in the body uh, in some way. And when you get angry, actually the physical response is you want to punch someone. You, know, you absolutely want to have a fight. And when you get angry, you also say a lot of things that are very kind of fighting talk, you know, and you say some extremes and it's where we swear our most, you know. Mm. And the thing is, is again, at that point, you can't see logic or rationality. And quite often you'll, after you've come out of the anger uh, and the frustration, and a few days later, you'll be going, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. Oh my God, I can't even believe I thought that about someone, you know, or um, mm. a powerful emotion as well. So actually you quite, it's a bit of one of those emotions that we like and don't like because we feel powerful when we feel angry, but equally that anger, you talk about the mist coming over, it basically stops your prefrontal cortex from working. And so why this is really important. Wow. I know, I mean, it's really important. 
the first thing is you need to be aware that you're feeling these emotions and then you need to be aware around, okay, well, how do I deal with this? Because I fundamentally believe every single person can solve any problem that they've got. Um, They've got the brain capacity to do it. It's just when we feel an emotion, it stops our brains functioning as we know we can. And for me, that is the biggest selling point as to why we need to get better educated about emotions as a whole, but equally why we need to get better educated about our own emotional reactions. And I guess just a point on this. So some of your listeners might be going, "Mm, that doesn't sound like me. I don't feel emotions. I don't. I'm quite calm. Everyone sort of says I'm really calm. And absolutely, there's probably a spectrum of people where you've got some and I'm probably right at the far end of hugely emotional, hugely sensitive, can't control. If I'm upset, I'll cry. You know, you say anything on this, Ollie, and and it, and it makes me sad or even makes me happy. I'll cry. You know, I'm at that spectrum. I feel them, I express them. You've got the other side of the end of the spectrum where some people don't feel them as strongly, don't express them as strongly, um, and all the different people in the middle. But absolutely, 100%, we are all human beings and we will all feel emotions to some degree and they will be affecting how we think. But so that, you know, if you come out of a meeting and you think, oh, why did I say that? Why didn't I say that? Yeah. You're thinking about things afterwards. That's where your your prefrontal cortex has basically been shut down <laughs> during that stressful situation. I know that's the wrong word, but let's go with it. That's what's happening, right? Yeah. Well, you've probably got two things going on there. Probably something in the meeting triggered you to feel an emotion, either frustration or worry or something, which then clouded your ability to say something that you know you would have normally said. You know how you get worried and and you might trip over your words or because we're quite nervous. So something might have happened then. And then as you're walking out the meeting, you might uh, then start feeling angry (laughs) because you didn't say what you know you could have said or disappointed because, you you know, so it's not like emotions just happen here and there and to big events I think it's a constant constant thing going on every day and 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 like I said emotions are meant to be short-lived expressed dealt with and then moved on and your prefrontal cortex can click back in and this is the key here we often think it's not within our control oh that's just the way I am I'll never change I've always been an emotional person but it but it's rubbish you can change and you are more in control of things than you think you are and you're much more in control of your emotions than you think you are and particularly your reactions to your emotions and for me it's about just being aware at first and then also believing you are in control and there are things you can do to manage them because the most resilient people and the science all shows this as well there's a lot of research into this and I would sort of back this up that the most resilient people are the people who are able to click their rational brain back into action, that prefrontal cortex, quicker. And that comes with self-awareness and some techniques that help you to do that. Well, that is huge. So let's get actionable here, Steph. You, you mentioned you've got five steps to, to help someone overcome stress as a, a broad bucket term. Yep. Go me through them very quickly and then let's let's jump into some of them. Yeah, lovely. It's like we planned this, Ollie. That was like a, such a lovely <laughs> link, wasn't it, to like the actions? That's, yeah, so the five steps. So I've probably talked around them as we've been going. So step one is be aware of your thoughts and your feelings. Step two is diffuse, don't deny uncomfortable emotions. Step three is challenge and change what you focus on. Step four is manage your energy, not just your time. And step five is build and develop a support network and, and particularly a, a support network aimed around 
resilience and managing stress in your emotions. So those are the five. Right, we're going to stop this one here. But wasn't that good? And it's going to get a whole lot better. There's part two still to come. So remember to subscribe and tune back in to the next episode. That's going to be episode 58. Steph Trancher was totally rocking the mic. And do you remember those five steps that we touched on right at the end? We're going to be diving into all of those in a whole lot more detail. So you're going to have actionable tips and tactics that you can take away and put in to practice. Take action. This will help you be more emotionally resilient. It will help you to overcome that word stress. Sorry, I probably shouldn't use that word, right? (laughs) In the meantime, you can find out more about Steph Tranter on her website, thepositiveelement.com, thepositiveelement.com. I'm also going to put links to Steph's website and LinkedIn on the show notes page over at obandco.uk slash 57. Do remember to hit subscribe and tune in every single week for your weekly dose of retail transformation. And if you're a regular listener, then I would so appreciate a rating and a review from you, particularly if you're an Apple user on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if you could log a rating and and a few nice words, then that would be so appreciated. And it helps other people to discover about great shows and the great guests that I'm lucky enough to have here on the Retail Transformation Show. I'm looking forward to joining you next time. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.